Well, good morning. We are thrilled to be back with you today. It's wonderful to have you here. We do know as speakers that this is not a required chapel, so we are really thrilled you're here. Um, we had a great day yesterday. We talked about God's love. Hope I'm wearing my, my rubber band today to remind me of how much he loves me. And this really does remind me. It helped, helped me remember that this morning. And then last night we had a service on the power of God and his Holy Spirit in our lives. And just an amazing time of worship at the altar. And I was, it was so, I was blown away that when I dismissed in prayer and nobody moved. Nobody moved. And then as some did start to leave, there were pockets all around the room of prayer happening. God is doing something amazing in this body of students at IWU. And we are just so thrilled to be a small part of that this week at Summit. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to continue with stories, what will be yours? And we're going to talk about Gideon. We're in Judges 6. We're going to talk a little bit about his uh, beginnings. So most of you probably know Gideon through um, laying out a fleece. He was also the fifth judge of Israel, and he was the one who had the army of 32,000, and then God pared him down to just 300, and they still won. He was an amazing uh, leader of this army. But we're going to look back at the beginning. How did it all start? Where did Gideon get going with all this? So we have to get a picture here of Israel, and they have been not following God for about seven years. So God's just saying, I'm turning you over the Midianites. You can, they can have you for a while because you're just not listening to me. So the Midianites have come in, and they have just totally oppressed the people of Israel, absolutely invaded them. Now, we here in the United States really don't understand the concept of our homeland being invaded. We, we've just never had that. We haven't had people sweep in and we have to leave our homes and everything we know. We don't get that. Now, if you immigrated to this country, you may know it. I have a friend who is Jasmina. She is a Bosnian Muslim. And when she was seven years old, she and her family had to flee Bosnia because the Serbian Christians were coming in and wiping, wiping the Muslims out. In fact, they recently had a, an anniversary of one entire village was destroyed. That's the kind of invasion I'm talking about here with Gideon and the, the, with the Midianites coming into Israel to where Gideon is living. They literally came in and pushed the Israelites up into the mountains. They would build shacks in the clefts of the rock or in caves. And that's how they would live. And then down here, their crops, they would just wipe out their crops. They'd kill all their livestock, even their donkeys and their sheep. Everything would just be destroyed. And the scripture says they'd swoop in with their own livestock in their tents. And they just look like locusts covering the land. So oppressive. So that's the scene we're in. And one day, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. He's a young man, and he is sitting there at that time, threshing wheat in a wine press. 
Now, to totally understand what he was doing, you have to know that to thresh wheat, they normally had a big circle that the ground was kind of padded down, kind of up on a hill, and they would lay the wheat out in that circle, and either oxen with some heavy rollers would run over that wheat, or they had these broom-type things, they'd beat it, and that would separate the grain from the chaff, and the chaff would just blow away in the wind. So knowing that he is in a, at a wine press, threshing wheat inside of a wine press, tells us not only is he hiding this grain from the Midianites, because if they find it, they're going to destroy it, but he's also got to be pretty impoverished by now to have that little amount of wheat to be preparing for food. So it's a really difficult time for the Israelites. And the angel comes to Gideon, just appears while he's threshing the wheat. And the angel says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, uh, pardon me, my Lord. Just a second here. If the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? Our ancestors told us that when they came out of Egypt, we were coming to the promised land. Where are all the wonders that they promised us? All we have are this, this oppression and this poverty because of the Midianites. God, the Lord, has abandoned us and given us to them. What are you talking about? I think this, this slide is on the screen here. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And I love, Gideon literally says again, uh, wait, pardon me, pardon me, Lord. But how can I save Israel? Are, are you sure? What? what? What are you talking about? He says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. You, you can't be talking to the right person. I'm not the one to save Israel. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Well, today we're going to focus on Gideon's response initial response to what the angel said and kind of the tension that is between how he felt about himself and this role that he was being called to and what the Lord was saying he wanted him to do. There's a big disconnect here, but what can we learn from it to know our own identity in God? So what is our identity? How do we define our identity? What do we look for in getting our identity? What is it mean to us. You just saw the scripture up there a little bit ago. Gideon says, time out. You got the wrong guy. Thor is two wine presses over, okay? Go, go find the mighty warrior because God calls him mighty warrior. And he says, I'm a nobody. I'm the least of the least. In fact, Manasseh of the 12 tribes of Israel wasn't Highly respected at times. They were a half tribe. They were a divided tribe. As you know about them in the promised land in 
choosing to live, some of them on both sides of the Jordan. I'm the least, my family, my family is nobody in the tribe of Manasseh. My identity is I am nobody and I don't make a difference. You've heard that we live in Sacramento. We've lived there for 20 years now. We've lived in larger cities, but what you may not know about me is I grew up right here in this area. I didn't even grow up in Marion. I grew up in Jonesboro. If you don't know where Jonesboro is, it's right over there, but most people don't. Jonesboro. I'm also the baby of my family. I don't care how old you get, if you've got older siblings, you're always the baby. We're the persuasive ones. We're the ones who motivate and encourage, but we're still looked at as the baby. I'm the least of the least in my family at times. I, I, I'm, I'm from no place, Jonesboro, Indiana. I, I come from a pretty redneck kind of family. I often joke when Gerald and I do marriage and parenting stuff just to set the tone, and many of you are familiar with this area, and, and I tell people, Gerald comes from, you know, all that educated stock and all of those kinds of things. I said, she married me, and really, my family is kind of Duck Dynasty and Swamp People married. And we're okay with that. But that's how my identity was. I grew up in Jonesboro. In fact, I just had a high school reunion this summer. First time I had really gotten to go, being away uh, and choosing to go, and, and got to be there. And I went to Mississinawa. And Mississinawa, you know, our, our, we're, the, we're the Mississinawa Indians, but our, our nickname is the River Rats. That was not an endearing term. That was not a favorable term. We've chosen to take on that and, and ride it well and use it well. But, but people made fun of us. But this, this year, a long time ago when I was in high school, and one of my buddies who was a high school friend was there, he grew up in Gas City, where the high school is. We had to commute to, from Jonesboro to Gas City to go to high school, one high school. But he said when we came over for high school, Gas City guys went, oh yeah, you're from Jonesboro. Now, let's just be clear. If you don't know anything about Gas City and Jonesboro, if you're from a place called Gas City, you have no right to talk about anybody else, okay? And Gas City is a whopping town of about 7,000. We used to love coming to Marion to the big town. Some of you grew up in that. Many of you may have grown up in that small town. What we're saying is it's not so much about the town or the community, but we get that mindset that you'll never amount to anything. You're the least of the least. You're a nobody. You're coming from small town insignificant my family I'm the least in my family my family's nobody important we don't have any of that stature that status so I relate to Gideon and maybe you do too some of us have been told we are all that for a long time one of the things at our high school reunion that I realize is for those of us who thought that we were all that as athletes or pseudo athletes or whatever we thought we were back then and hanging with the right crowd and all that weren't as much all that and that kind of brought us back to that. And those of us who thought we were nobodies, the outcasts, we talk about the, the insignificant, the least of the least kind of people, weren't as bad as they thought they were. 
And I think age has something to do with that. But, but my mindset was you'll never amount to much of anything. Jonesboro is where you're from and that's where you'll always be. The mindset, not the location. And so I, I identify with that understanding of Gideon saying, I am the least of the least. I'm a nobody. And I began to allow that identity to be who I was, not just where I was from and what I was about. And God wanted to speak into me and speak into you about your identity. A good question to ask yourself is, where do you find your value or your identity? Where does it come from? Mm -hmm. Does it come from growing up in a small town or being the youngest or the oldest child or the middle child? You know, where does that influence how you see yourself? There are many different things can be part of how we identify ourselves. For example, maybe it's something you're chasing after. Maybe you're chasing after this degree here at the school. Maybe that's how you identify yourself. Maybe it's some job you're looking at. It's possibly a, a certain car you want to own or a certain uh, house you want to live in or a, a particular place you want to live. That's how you desi uh, design your identity. It's wrapped up in that. Sometimes our identity is influenced by what people have said to us. You're ugly, you're stupid, you're fat, you're too skinny, you're too tall, you're too short, you're never going to amount to anything. Look at your family, they're nothing. Words that can be hurtful, yet powerful, because we take them on as our identity. Sometimes those words are just in our heads. We actually create them. We start saying to ourselves, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. What? I could never do that. that that's, that's not possible. That's not me. It's not who I am. And, and we just keep having this self-talk that says who we think we are, and we start embracing that identity. Sometimes it's situations that we have no control over. Rape. Divorce, poverty, abuse, neglect, abandonment. Those things may have been done to you and they are horrible. And they need to be dealt with. But I'm telling you, they're not your identity. That's right. They are not who you are. But too often, we kind of want to turn them into this giant blanket and just wrap ourselves in those things. And even though it may be itchy and heavy and uncomfortable, it's still what we know. And we say, I'll just stay right here. I'll just, this is who I am. It's always been that way. I'll just stay right here. It's, it's, who I, it's what I know. I'm okay. And we hang on to that blanket so tight around us, it's just squeezing us to death. That blanket is not your identity. I even did it. I, I did this with my mom. My mom was my identity. Mm -hmm. I admired her so much. She was beautiful. She was freakishly intelligent. She was ambitious and, and a really hard worker and a go-getter. And I wanted to be just like her. So I started molding my path, even to the degree I got here from IWU. I started molding my path to be like my mom. But I'm not my mom. I'm me. 
The trick is not to wrap ourselves up in those identities, in what others say about us or what we say about ourselves, but it's only in what God says about us, about who we are and how we're valued. Now Gideon, <laughs> he really wrapped himself up in the blanket of the least of the least. Mm -hmm. That was definite. Which really kind of makes him an unlikely hero in this story. He, the way he thought about himself, he really shouldn't have been able to do the things that he did. He was an unlike, unlikely hero. But God seems to use tons of unlikely heroes through the scriptures. I mean, he told a man who had never seen rain to build a boat to prepare for a deluge. He told an old dude who didn't have kids that you're going to be the father of many nations. He told a guy with a speech impediment that you need to go to the ruler of Egypt and tell him to let go of his slave workforce. He took a motley crew of men and put them together, and they started a revolution that continues to this day. God took a little baby born to an unwed 14-year-old girl, and he changed the world. God uses unlikely heroes, ones that are unlikely and humble. Because you see, if you look here through this line, I just said that there's this line going through here, these different people, a thread of humility. They didn't plan on doing all those things they did. But God said, I've got something more for you, and this is how I see you. Let me do in and through you. Let me help you become the person that I see, because that is your true identity unlikely heroes. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. How do you view yourself? Are you seeing yourself and your identity wrapped up in God? We talk about it in the New Testament. Our identity should be in Christ Jesus. We are clothed with his righteousness because of his price for us. How do you see yourself? We look at superheroes, so to speak, in all shapes and sizes. How do you view yourself? How do you see yourself? He's ready to conquer the world. He's ready to take it on. He's ready to make a difference. That's how we ought to see ourselves in God. That's how we ought to begin to see ourselves. We may be out of shape, out of the muscle, tone, ripped kind of superhero that we think when they put on that new uniform that covers them. But how do you do that? How do you view yourself? How are you seeing yourself as your identity in God. God says you and I are valuable. He says you and I are valuable. You and I are important. You and I are valuable. And I want you to know God says that your identity is what I say. You see, we need to understand something very clearly. Our identity is in the creator. Not in others who are simply created. You and I too often want to hear what others say about us and begin to say, that's my identity. You and I also begin to talk ourselves into our identity and miss the key point. Our identity is in the creator. 
I want you to catch this next one. We're going to put this up here because I think it's important enough for us to understand. You and I need to stop listening to the lies. And we need to start believing the love that God is speaking to us. That God is speaking in our lives. You and I need to stop listening. We need to cover our ears from people who are telling us the lies. The lies that we may be telling ourselves. And we need to start believing the love. You see, your value, your value isn't wrapped up in other people. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. You and I need to begin to see our worth through Christ in what God has spoken to us. This summer, the 1st of August, a gentleman by the name of Josh Bonner, a graduate of Indiana Wesleyan, arrived on campus here in Marion. He had walked 1,100 miles for two and a half months from Brooksville, Florida, because he found out a former classmate of his, Jason Helm, who is a missionary in Mozambique, needed $75,000 for treatment for cancer that he had, and he didn't have that kind of money or insurance to cover it. And God called Josh Bonner to go for a walk. To go for a walk to raise money to help Jason. So Josh set out in June to walk from Brooksville, Florida to Marion, Indiana. And about two hours into the walk, he, he almost gave up. He, he, was, he was dying. He had 90 pounds of stuff on his back and it was humid and muggy in Florida and he was ready to quit. He called his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law came and, and he said, I'm, I'm done. Now the irony is the name of this walk is the never give up walk. <laughs> he was ready to give up. I'm done. But his brother-in-law helped him unload some of the pack of things he didn't need and he went on his way. He said, I can't give up. I can't give up. I got to keep going. And he made it, raised $13,000 for Jason. Now the thing is, Josh says, I was the last person that people would expect to do something like this. When I was in college, I was shy, I kept to myself, but God called me to do something bigger than that. Jason even said himself, I was a nobody. I was the least of the least, and yet God called me to do something. And God changed not only his calling and his purpose, but he really affected his identity. I'm going to ask you a question. What name is God wanting to give you during this time? What name is God wanting you to give you? And how will his story for you be lived out will you be willing to say from this day forward from this day on my story will look like this this is who God is calling me by name when God says mighty warrior to Gideon it changed Gideon Judges 6 12 says when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon he said the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. We've already talked about that, how 
so much of a non-mighty warrior Gideon was. What name is God wanting to give you? Several years ago now, Dr. Bud Bentz came to where we were in California and spoke, and he did a beautiful job of talking in Romans 16 about the nobodies. Paul lists a bunch of people that nobody had heard of and nobody knew about and thanked them for their ministry, for all that they had done. And it reminded me that many people may not know who you are, but it isn't about what other people say or what other people know. It's about what God chooses to say about you that affects your identity. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. We are, as we talked about last night, powerless, but we are powerful in Christ. We are all things in Christ. We can do all things through Christ. It is through his power. But let me ask you right now, let us ask you right now, what name is God wanting to give you to affect your identity to transform your story for you to share with others. You should have gotten a simple name tag when you came in It says, hello, my name is. We don't even expect you to fill this out yet because we want you to pray about it and we want you to hear what God has to say. But here's the idea. Again, like the rubber band, very simple, very basic. But we hope that you will hear what God says. Maybe your name is Mighty Warrior for this season. Maybe you're at school and you need to hear you are smart. Maybe you need to hear like all of us here, and if we all put it, it's great. But maybe we just need to put child. If we do nothing else but understand we are God's kids, that will amazingly transform us when we, when we begin to receive it. Now, we've talked already about hearing and listening, but are you receiving what God is saying to you? Who are you listening to? And what name is God wanting to give you right now? We want you to take some time to pray about. And as we've already said before, some questions, some homework that happens out of these sessions and these times are some questions through IW, hashtag IWSummit. And you can follow up with those, but here's what we want you to do for your homework assignment, like you need something else to do. God, what name are you wanting to give me? You know, Jim, Scripture says that when we receive Christ, we are children of God. Yeah. And yeah. we are co-heirs with Christ, co-heirs with him. Maybe that's the name. Yeah, and if we put God's kids, I think that's awesome because that will really revolutionize us for many of us. But it, 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 for Gideon, it was, you're not least of the least. You're somebody. You're not a nobody. You're somebody because I have called you, I have made you, I have created you, and we need to start listening and believing the love that God is speaking in our lives. What name is God wanting to speak to you to maybe heighten your identity? Maybe some of us need to back off a little bit. We've been told we're nothing but great all along. Maybe we think we are all that. And maybe we need to remember that we're just God's kids and we are created. We are not the creator. Pray. Ask. God, what name do I need to hear? 
because for so long some of us have been told we're wonderful and we're great and we need to get the pride out of there. Many of us, though, have been the least of the least and said you're a nobody and you don't amount to anything. And we need to know that our identity is not in what others say but what God says. What name is God wanting you to hear in this season of your life as he writes your story? Let's pray. Father, I am amazed at the places and the opportunities and the privileges that you've given us. And I for so often have felt like I can identify with Gideon and the least of the least. If you can use me, you can use anybody, God, but you have begun to speak into our lives that we are to bring honor and glory to you and that we're your kids, we're your children. God, I believe some amazing things are going to happen because of the talents and gifts and abilities of the students that are here at IWU, and we're going to hear incredible stories over the next several years because of what you're doing. But God, for some of us, we need to have that story to begin change. We need to see our identity is in and through you. So Father, I pray for us this day, this week, that it would not simply be a name of summit, but we would climb the mountaintop of experience in you and see ourselves in a whole new way because of what you have done for us and the way you have created us and the way you have knit us together, the way you have made us. We don't simply say it with our lips, but we want to live it with our lives. We love you, and we know that you love us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, have a great, great day in the Lord. Look forward, if you can, make it back tonight. Have a great day.